Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Who's going to be uh, leading the way the next hour or so? I currently work at 101 ESPN in St. Louis, Missouri, but don't worry, I am a native Nashvilleian and I come in peace. If you want to hit me up on Twitter throughout the show, uh, I'll, I'll potentially read some of your tweets on the air. If you want to interact with me that way, do so. I'm at Austin Huff. It's just simple. I don't know how I came up with that crazy Twitter handle, but uh, it, it's my name. Let me know. Uh, let me know uh, if you like what you hear. If you don't, again, as I said last night, you can do one of two things: either just keep it to yourself, don't tell anyone. I mean, anyone, just, just, just hold that one in. Or you can just tweet angrily at Chad Withrow. Because <laughs> I think that would be really funny if you're like, Hey, Chad, this guy sucks. This guy at 6 p.m. that's filling in for Jason Martin, he sucks. Just tweet it angrily at him. I think that'd be hilarious. Uh, I've got a fun show for you guys tonight. Steve Gorman. Uh, if you know the name, you know the name. You know the guy. But if you don't, he's the drummer of the Black Crows, the iconic rock band of the 90s and 2000s. He's going to be joining me. Steve uh, Steve is a uh, former sports talk, nationally syndicated sports talk radio show host. You probably heard him on, on these airwaves on Fox Sports radios occasionally. He's going to come in. He's going to call in. We're going to talk about the NBA Finals, some music. Who knows? Who knows where we'll go with that? But... Uh, also, the, the phone lines. Phone lines are going to be open the whole show. If you got something good, come on. Come on in. Uh, our phone number is 615-737-1045. Uh, hit us up. All right? And again, you can, you can always uh, tweet me if you interact. Um, now, I'll tell you where I want to start uh, tonight's show. And that is with... Um, some college football because I I love college football I, I love it it's arguably the greatest sport on the planet all right and that's including pro football that or pro sports college sports amateur sports YMCA sports we all grew up playing those that includes everything all right the college football is is what people in the in uh, the prohibition era would call the bee's knees and speaking of prohibition the SEC is apparently ending theirs. Look, I, I, you've heard the news already, I'm sure, today. The SEC has fallen off the wagon. They're allowing alcohol sales at college games. <laughs> Talk about Southern comfort. or Well, actually, not really. Because if you read the fine print, there is fine print involved, uh, you'll see that the sales are limited to beer and wine only. So, no SoCo. In the SEC, it just means more, except for when it comes to the poor. Now, look, is this a bad thing? Is is, is allowing uh, alcohol sales at college football bad? Well, I mean, like if you're like a strict parent or um, like a like a Hollywood portrayed dean, they would probably tell you that alcohol has no place uh, at, at on college campuses, let alone the stadiums. All right, you're only looking for trouble here. All right, get it out. That's no. But that's not necessarily true. That's like kind of an old age, old way of thinking because CBS Sports' uh, Barrett Salee reported some interesting stats earlier today 
from both Oregon, the Ducks, and West Virginia, the Mountaineers. They were the first two schools to welcome alcohol sales in stadiums in college football. And let me hit you with a few of these. Oregon's alcohol-related ejections, okay, they actually decreased by 49% in 2018 as sales increased 61%, okay? So so let me, if, if you're not good with numbers, I'm not. Let me let me read that back to you. Alcohol-related ejections went down as sales went up. <laughs> All right? And, okay, West Virginia, they reported a, quote, sharp decline in alcohol-related incidents when it be, when it began uh when they began serving in 2011. I'm going to talk about being early to the party. <laughs> West Virginia has been serving alcohol since 2011. Look, I, I I you never want to be the first person at a party, but I guess in this case maybe you do. But uh but yeah, also what I guess what Barrett failed to report is that uh the singing of country roads after Mountaineers games went up six the the uh the annoyance of the singing of country roads at Mountaineers games went up about 66% after they introduced alcohol sales. Gosh, I would not want to be in a stadium full of drunk West Virginians singing that song. But anyway, there's there's been a lot of lot of talk about like which SEC fan base is going to benefit the most from this. And this isn't like one of those questions to kind of strike up a fun topic or like a debate. This is a question with a right and wrong answer. And the right answer here is LSU without question. I mean, we all know the, the, the ongoing joke about LSU fans is that they smell like corn dogs. Look, you don't get that reputation of smelling like corn dogs if you aren't obsessed with alcohol. All right? That's not something that comes from someone who doesn't drink a lot. <laughs> like, that's like every... In fact, most most of my friends that, that drink the most, they, I'm pretty sure they all smell like corn dogs too now that I think about it. And and let's be real. I'm look at look at just look no further than their head coach, Ed Orgeron. I mean he already he already sounds like a drunk guy. I mean like that's not that's not how normal humans talk. That's he's clearly Ed Orgeron is drunk, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess LSU fans are going to go from Death Valley on Saturday nights to feeling like Death Valley on Sunday mornings after this. And and look, now, I mean, Vol fans, you guys know, like, you're going to have a good time with booze at the games as well. I mean, it should make the season more tolerable. I just hope Butch Jones left behind some of those trash cans to keep on the sidelines for fans to throw up into after the games. I mean, they were they were big enough. No, I kid. Tennessee, Tennessee is going to be a, a lot better this year, right? I mean, you got uh, uh, Jared uh, Garantano returning at uh, quarterback. Then again, how could they not be better than last year? Last year, I, last year I called him uh, Jared Guantanamo Bay because watching that offense was torture. But look, speaking speaking of booze, all right. Many of you know BYU is actually playing at Neyland this fall, and start time has been set by ESPN. It's a 7 p.m. kickoff. Uh, yes, please. The Vols versus the Mormons uh, for the first meeting all time between these two schools, and it's under the lights. Thank God. And Joseph Smith, I guess. 
Yesterday, yesterday ESPN hit us with a bunch of start times for um, the upcoming season of college football. And like I said, if you're as big of a college football fan as I am, yesterday was like getting a, a little treat in an advent calendar counting down to the season. Which, look, all right, look, I'll say it. I get it. I'm self-aware. Getting excited about uh, college, getting excited about like schedule times being released in May is like, is like getting excited for those, those advertising slides or those trivia slides that run before the previews, that run before the movies. (laughs) You know, like I'm getting excited for schedule releases that come before even the, two-a-days and the summer practices that run before the actual season. But I can't help it. I am stoked. All right? But then, I will say this. There is one trend in college football that I can't really get behind, and I, and I don't understand it. If there's, if there's one thing college football loves, it's giving us matchups among the best teams in each conference, right? I mean, this year we've got Houston and Oklahoma, Florida and Miami, Clemson, Texas A&M, LSU versus Texas. But if there's two things college football loves, it's scheduling early. Like, what, what do you have going on this Saturday? Do you have plans yet? No, no, no. I mean, not, not, not this Saturday. Sorry. I, I'm, I'm talking about Saturday, September 13th, 2036. You don't, oh, you don't know yet? Oh, okay. Well, college football does. A few weeks back, Clemson and Oklahoma announced a a home and home for the 2035 and 2036 seasons. Gee, thanks, college football. When I try giving us a heads up next time. I mean, even the NFL doesn't know who each team is playing in 2019, let alone a, a decade or two into the future. I mean, who's in charge of college football scheduling? My wife? <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, she'll hit me with plans that we have in May. Or, I mean, like in uh, July of 2020. (laughs) Like, I'm willing to bet that my wife has a couple's baby shower in our calendar for a couple who isn't even pregnant yet. I mean, come on. Look, this is college football, guys. Keyword, college. College is all about scheduling things late. You don't register for classes until the very last day, unless you're some kind of nerd. Most colleges don't make weekend plans until, like most college kids, they they don't make weekend plans until until Friday afternoon. Like right now, they're like, oh man, what should we do this? What should we do this weekend? College is all about making spontaneous plans, spontaneous road trips. College football should be the same way. I mean, hit us with news of like Texas, Texas A&M game, like re- renewing the rivalry a week before it happens. Announce a, a USC Miami game three days before kickoff. I guarantee you it would have more hype than the announcement of Clemson and Oklahoma squaring off three decades from now. Hey, uh, Colorado and K-State, they're uh, renewing their Big 12 rivalry in 2027 and 2028. And... uh Surprisingly, all the hotel rooms are still available. Huh. I mean, I'm not sure about you, but I can't wait to watch the OU Nebraska game in 2030 with my grandkids. I mean, 2030. By that point, do we even know that these like these teams won't suck? I mean, an SMU Arkansas game must have sounded awesome three decades ago. <laughs> Think about that. But now it's like, yeah, yeah, I think I'm busy that Saturday.
Heck, think about what like a, a Clemson-Oklahoma game would have meant in the mid-90s. <laughs> that would have been like the weekend you would have planned your fall wedding on, you know? <laughs> I mean, 2035. How do we know football will still be around? I mean, how do we know those states will still be around? Who knows? We This country's seen one civil war. Who knows if it happens again? But look, thanks for getting us excited, college football. All right? But I'll be honest. I'll have to pencil you in for those 2035 dates. I I have something scheduled. And I already moved it twice. And I, I just I can't move it again. All right, look. Coming up next... I figured it's Friday, so let's let's have some fun. I want to talk about the the best, and really, actually, more so the worst speeches from sports movies. Okay, it's Friday. Let's have some fun. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people like to talk about the oh, what are the greatest sports speeches of all times. I actually kind of want to break some of these down because some of them suck, guys. I'll be honest; <laughs> some of them are pretty bad. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do that next. That's next on the Big Six. Presented by Renner's Warehouse. I am Austin Huff, filling in for Jason Martin on 104.5. Me talking with country artist Ryan Hurd about the movie Rookie of the Year. And I was like able to get a little bit off my chest about how bad of a baseball movie that is. Um, which I will I will debate anyone about that. It's a I mean it's a great movie, don't get me wrong. I, I like it. I, I enjoy it, but it's it's a it's just a terrible baseball movie. And uh, you, you have to go listen to the podcast of last night's show if you want to catch that. But tonight I thought I, I'd talk about speeches um, we see in sports movies all the time. It's, it's, it's something often debated and talked about. And talking about the greatest movie speeches, it's not an original idea. All right. <laughs> Hand raised. I'm the first to admit that. In fact, you'll probably get inundated this summer with it. Like once the NHL and NBA end, you'll get tons of those debates and sports talk radio all summer long. So I figured, you know what, I'll go ahead and get you started now. I, I'm going to, I want to, I want to share with you a few of my favorites, but then also share with you some of like the ones I hate the most. Like they're just so stupid. And, uh, and, to to kind of get you thinking about these scenes, like every time you watch these scenes, I want you to hear my voice in the back of your head breaking these down. Because when you do take a step back and look at them, it there you know some can be kind of ridiculous. But like like for example, okay, you've got Friday Night Lights, all right, which I'm I'm in the rare I'm in the few in the minority I guess of people that think the the movie is better than the TV show, uh, but don't tell anyone. Uh, I I. I love that movie. I, it, it was awesome. It actually came out when I was a senior in high school, and I, we were playing football. It came out that fall. You know, it was my senior year, so obviously it's got that emotional connection. Um, God bless and go Bruins to all my BHSers out there, by the way. Um, but when like Billy Bob Thornton is is in that scene, but right before State, you know, they they talked all movie long about going to State, and right before State, spoiler spoiler warning, they they do make it to State. He talks about being perfect. Um, and while he's giving that speech, he's like, I want you to be perfect like your, like your boy, uh, Booby Miles over there. And he point, they, the camera shoots, shoots over to Booby Miles wearing his Letterman jacket on crutches. And I mean, goodness, like that, when that moment happened in that, in that movie, my eyes started sweating. <laughs> like it was, someone was dicing onions in there. And uh, and then obviously, like like you had the 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 guy the guy from Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift, playing quarterback, and the kid from My Cousin Skeeter and Famous Jet Jackson, he was playing Booby's backup. Well, technically, Booby's backup's backup. 
But uh, like I'm sure, like even he, even though he like he was now the starting running back, I'm sure even he was like, "Is someone dicing onions in here? Like what's what's going on?" Like that that was a good. I felt like that was a good speech and more so just a good movie scene. Um, but then you've got like a movie like like Hoosiers. Okay. Remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Okay? Okay. Actually, nobody says anything right after that speech. And that's, like, the speech is all right. That's a, that's a pretty good pretty good speech. But what makes it is the response from the team. Because anytime you can incite a slow clap from anyone, you know you've hit your mark. <laughs> Like, if you say something, and then just some random person just starts a slow clap, you're like, hey, yeah, yeah, I feel pretty good about myself. Like, how how great would it have been if, like, uh, <laughs> I, I think about this every time I watch Hoosiers, but how great would it have been if, like, one guy started the slow clap, and then no one else jumped in? Like, everyone just looks at that guy, and they're like, what are you doing, Gary? <laughs> like, <laughs> like then, he, then he just, like, he has to stop, right? Like once you start the slow clap and no one joins in, like you have to stop, or do you, or do you play it out all the way? I, I don't know. I, I on the power rankings of awkward things to happen to you, starting a slow clap and not uh like and no one else like jumping in with you has to be top five, right? Like it's got to be the, the the Mount Rushmore of awkward things to happen to you, right? Anyway, uh, and then there's um uh, another movie I love, Rudy. Okay. Oh man, you want to talk about a movie that makes your forehead hurt from holding back tears? Everybody loves Rudy, right? It's like, uh, sorry, D Ford, but everyone's favorite offsides defensive end is Rudy Rudiger. Okay. Obviously, obviously, you know, like, you know the scene of of when the coach comes in and says. Uh, you know, you all know what you have to do. No one, and I mean no one, comes in to our house and pushes us around. That's a that's a great speech. But the one I want to focus on is the speech between between the jan- janitor, uh, the janitor and Rudy. Obviously, like Rudy's like he he's like about to quit football, and the janitor's like, uh, buddy, no, you're not. To prove to everyone that I work- what that I was somebody. Oh, you are so full of crap. You're five feet nothing. Uh-huh. Hang on. The the thing I love about this scene, the thing I love about this clip is, is like it's supposed to be like this inspirational scene and this inspirational moment, but it, but it really, like when you think about it, it's actually just kind of like a mini roast battle. All right, let me run this back. That I was somebody. Oh, you are so full of crap. Oh snap! You're five feet nothing. A hundred and nothing. Oh my and you got hardly a speck of athletic ability. Oh. And you hung in with the best college football team in the land for two years. Ooh. And you're also going to walk out of here with a degree from the University of Notre Dame. Oh. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. And after what you've gone through, Get if em. you haven't done that by now, Get em. Get em. it ain't going to never happen. Ah! You know, and then it's like, uh, and then, well, then Rudy, Rudy steps in and he's like, well, I get my turn, right? It's a roast battle, so. Sorry, I never got you to see your first game with you. <laughs> Hell, I've seen too many games in this stadium. Huh? I thought you said you never saw a game. I've never seen a game from the stands. 
You were a player? <laughs> he didn't even know you were a player, I dog! I rode the bench for two years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Man, he was like, he was like, you were a player? You're like my height. Like, there's no way you played. You're a janitor now. They're like, clearly, no, no college football player goes on to work just a mundane job in everyday life, right? <laughs> just classic. I love that. I love that scene. Uh, another scene I love, obviously, like, do you guys remember remember the Titans? Of course you do. They they used to play it like every Sunday at Adelphia or LP or or Nissan. And a lot of people love this movie. It's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think it's as great as everyone hypes it up to be. But it is a it is a good movie. But you know, like you've got like Ryan Gosling, who uh, in that you remember in the the big game, Ryan Gosling. He's terrible cornerback, guys. He's a terrible cornerback. Like Bleedy Ray Wilson thinks Ryan Gosling is was a terrible cornerback in that movie. And like we all know, like the mini speech that Hayden Panettiere's dad gives in this movie. All right. Now, I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night. If they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm going to take every last one of you out. You make sure they remember forever the night they played the Titans. Okay. Great, yeah. Oh man, that gets me fired up. You remember the night, that, but, but but let's let's rewind it uh, a little bit before the you remember the night they play the Titans. All that, yeah. He he talks about if they gain another yard, I'm gonna take every last one of you out. Like, <laughs> think about that for a second. If the other team gets it to second and nine, that D coordinator is pulling the entire defense. And like he wasn't really specific, so is he is he putting the backups in or is he just pulling them completely? <laughs> you know, he talk a lot about like a four three or a you know a three four defense. He's gonna go a zero zero defense <laughs> if if they gain one yard. Like easy, coach. Like just chill out for a second. All right, we also we also Alabama play the Citadel last year. I mean, what if Saban did that with his defense? I. <laughs> I guarantee they probably wouldn't have made the playoffs because they would have lost to Citadel because he yanked the whole defense off the field after the first half. But look, the movie I, I alluded to off the top, the one I want to get to the most, Any Given Sunday, Al Pacino's Peace With Inches speech. And I know a lot of you love this speech. A lot of you get so fired up by this speech. But my question is why? Aside from the occasional cuts to Steeman Willie Beeman just standing there, what is cool about this speech? Like, he doesn't really say anything. This is moments before they take the field for the Pantheon Cup. And Al Pacino is like, hey, uh, hold up, guys. I gotta make you all depressed with uh, how horrible my life is right now. Okay? Like, I'm not joking right now. Like, five minutes before they hit the field for the Pantheon Cup, Al Pacino feels the need to use this time as a confessional. I mean, I made every wrong choice a middle-aged man can make. I, uh, I pissed away all my money, believe it or not. I chased off anyone who's ever loved me. And lately, I can't even stand the face I see in America. He's like, I owe $42,000 to the IRS in back taxes. My, uh, my daughter won't let me walk her down the aisle in her wedding. 
I, I went and saw The Secret Life of Pets 2 in theaters the other day by myself. My wife left me. My second wife left me. My mistress left me. I have a splinter in my thumb. Like It's like, Coach, uh, okay, we're literally about to play for the champion, for the Pantheon Cup. Like, <laughs> And you feel the need to like just hit us with this now? You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. All right, coach. We gotta, we gotta go. Uh, you stay in here. We're gonna go. We're gonna go all varsity blues with it and just take the field without our coach. Uh, <laughs> then again, like when in that movie did Coach Tony Diamato make any sense? Like, remember the scene, the advice he gave Willie Beeman? Just run to the Buick. You grew up in Dallas, right? Right. Yeah. So maybe you're back in Dallas right now. I mean, you're home, you're enjoying yourself, you're back in the back in the hood just before your mama calls you in for dinner. I say, go to the Buick, turn around, I'll throw it to you. Remember that? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, Willie Beeman's like, uh, uh, yeah, that's, I guess that's kind of like, like nobody in my neighborhood owned a Buick, but uh, this is more like a Volkswagen Jetta. Look, there's a lot of things about this movie that are just like, just so weird. Like, for one, the, in that fictional league that the Miami Sharks played in, there was a team from Kansas. Can you imagine a pro football team putting a team in Kansas? And then they had two teams in Miami, and then they were uh, adding an expansion team in Albuquerque? And then, an, and then also, an offensive lineman loses an eyeball in this movie. Not like, like the Christmas story hypothetical shoot-your-eye-out moment. The, the guy's eyeball is literally laying on the turf. And then they, they saw an SUV, like a Chevy Suburban, in half at a team bourbon, at a, I mean, at a, a team party. I've grown up in Nashville. I never went to a Titans party back in the day, but I can't imagine like Randall Godfrey ever saw Danian Sidney's truck in half, okay? But look, that speech might be the worst of all. All right, coming up next, going to my man Steve Gorman. The drummer of the Black Crows joins me. We're going to talk some uh, NBA finals. We are going to uh, get into... Uh, we're going to just get into a lot of fun stuff, so stick around. This is The Big Six, presented by Renner's Warehouse. I am Austin Huff, filling in for Jason Martin here on 104 Kinsville, Kentucky. Well, not necessarily head there, but I want to give a shout-out to Hopkinsville, Kentucky, because I've got Hoptown's finest, Nashville native, Steve Gorman himself, the drummer of the Black Crows, and he's actually got a book coming out later this year, chronicling, chronicling, chronicling wow, wait, that's a hard word to say, his 25 years touring the world with his band, the Black Crows. It's called Hard to Handle, the inside story of the Black Crows. You can pre-order now on Amazon. Steve Gorman, how are you, man? You know, Austin, I was great until you got the title of the book wrong. It's called How to Handle the Life and Death of the Black Crows, but that's okay. That's okay. Well, well, uh, I, maybe I'm talking about a different book. Maybe I'm talking about a different book, Steve. You don't know. Maybe I'm talking about a book written by Chris Robinson or something. I don't know. <laughs> okay, don't hold your breath. <laughs> Steve, uh, okay, so I should note, uh, this is somewhat of a reunion for us because Steve and I both, uh, were both together on radio in Nashville as him and I, we used to have a little sports talk radio show in town and, uh, this feels good. This feels good to kind of be back with you again. 
it's kind of like um, I'm back and I'm, I'm the girl I went to prom with. We're having a, a really strange <laughs> cup of coffee at a Waffle House, pretending right. we still care about each other. Well, no, it's it's not like, but you didn't show up there together. You were both just there, and you you're like, oh man, that's Stacy who I took to prom. Uh, hey, how are hey. how are things? <laughs> so anyway, Austin, how are things? <laughs> Steve. Um, uh, did you watch the uh, NBA Finals last night? I watched the last 10 minutes. I, okay. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, as we speak, uh, on, a, on a number of, uh, of orders of business, and I was only able to get the last 10 minutes, and, uh, and I was amazed at what I saw. I, I, I really was. I thought uh, uh, that Kawhi Leonard's pretty good, but by, by gosh, so is that Siakam. Where'd that come from? Yeah, right. It's like a, uh, if uh, you know what if Siakam can carry uh, can continue this in every game this series, I think the Raptors sweep. But that's the thing, Siakam's not going to continue this in every game this series. No, he did what he had to do. They got the first one under their belt. The, the, the spotlight was, was clearly not too bright for them for Game One. And uh, you know, can can the can the Warriors win four out of six? Yeah, sure they can, but. Their job is a little harder than it was 24 hours ago. I mean, you know, it's not like they lost by three. That game, there was never that thing in the last four minutes where you just, the inevitable, oh, here it comes. And Toronto Toronto got calmer as Golden State pressed. And that, to me, even though it's a small sample size, I think that that bodes well for the uh, Raptors moving forward. Yeah, it's like, I was not, I never once felt safe with Toronto's lead, even though they were leading by like 11 late in the game. I I was, there was no point where I was like, yeah, Toronto's got this in the bag, because we've seen this movie a million times before, you know? It it doesn't matter how many times you watch Titanic, the boat always sinks. It doesn't matter how many times you watch the Warriors, they're going to come back from a deep lead late in the game. We saw, I mean, even just in the the Western Conference Finals, we saw it against... uh, Against the, the the Trailblazers, they they came well, down from you know, fifteen in every game. They're going to do what they do. The key is for the other team not to not to waffle and, and panic. And Toronto didn't do that. I mean, but, but, you know, when Van Fleet is hitting miracle shots like the one he hit with two minutes to go, that did signal to me. Oh, this actually isn't going to happen tonight. If Toronto just continues to play with confidence like that in crunch time, then you know who knows. And I will say that. You know, Golden State, yeah, they've won it. This is four out of five if they win. But you've got to always remember that that uh, five straight finals is like an entire – it's more than an entire other NBA season on those legs. They've played six seasons in five years. And, uh, and it, you know, if, if they lose – anybody that loses their fifth straight finals, you know, in, in the finals for the fifth straight time, I can't call an upset. I think it's a miracle that they're in it for the fifth year in a row. Yeah, I'll I'll be honest. I still don't think Toronto has game one in the bag just yet. Like, I still feel like the Warriors are going to come back. Well, that, I, I understand that. I understand that. You're also still holding out for Santa Claus. Uh, last <laughs> week, so. Yeah, I'm, and I'm not talking about the series. I'm talking about game one. I still think yeah, the Warriors no, are going to win game I one. I know. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. You've got a lot, you've got a lot to, of catching up to do, but that's fine. We all operate at our own pace, Austin. Uh, Steve. Yes. You uh you you live in Nashville. Uh, well, first of all, you're in Atlanta right now, you said. I am. Are you starting another rock band cuz correct me if I'm wrong, that's where Mr. Crow's Garden started, which eventually turned into the band we all know and love as the Black Crows. Are you are you down there to start another band? 
I am not. I'm down here because, oh, well, for several reasons. Most importantly, because I happen to know some teenagers that really needed to spend the day at Six Flags. <laughs> hey, and you know what? You know that you can curse Opryland all you want for taking away Opryland USA from us because that that would have been a much shorter drive for you to make if they just needed a little amusement park in their life. Yeah, I, I, I'd even spring for the season pass, but no, no, we got to <laughs> hop on uh, twenty four East and head to Atlanta. So, you know, thanks for nothing, Opry USA. Did you get a photo op with Bugs Bunny? I didn't. I just drop off and pick up, man. I got things to do during the day. I, I don't do. I don't do theme parks when uh, when the humidity is at like one hundred and ninety percent. Too hot for me. I'm an old man, Austin. You seem to forget that. Hang on, Steve. Okay, I know the Black Crows broke up a few years ago, but are you an Uber driver now? Just come clean. Just between you and me, are you an Uber driver? Are you? Oh, please. Like you don't know the difference <laughs> between Uber and Lyft. Oh, sorry, sorry. You have the pink mustache on the front of your car. I'm, I'm the last guy with the pink mustache. I'm, I'm holding out. I'm kicking it old school. I remember when those pink mustaches first came about, and I I was living in Nashville at the time, and it was, you know, I was, I was like, what, what, why do all these cars? Like, I, I thought like a cult was forming, but it, I mean, but it was something even worse a, uh, a, a an app out of uh, Silicon Valley. I, uh, I I resisted for years simply because of the pink mustache. I was if you had told me no, that pink mustache, they're giving away cash. I wouldn't have taken it. It was so it was so annoying to me to say. Yeah, I can't imagine like your street cred would have lasted. Like seeing a rock and roll drummer get into a car with a pink mustache, like not just like a car, like a you know, like a like a Ford oh, Taurus. Hey, or- listen, I, I don't want to burst your bubble. Far more embarrassing things have happened, uh, have have been engineered from my twisted imagination than simply getting into a vehicle someone else was driving. Oh my gosh. All right. So Steve, um, the, uh, I guess before I let you go, I, I gotta ask you, what's one thing you're looking forward to, uh, when it comes to the Tennessee Titans this year? Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) I, I, nothing. I, I, I'm at the point now where I have no expectations. I refuse to think yeah. about it. If they stamp out a 12 and four season, I'll be thrilled. I'll, I'll be, I'll be a horrible front runner fan, but, uh, you know, 15 years in town now, the middling, uh, you know, middle of the pack thing, it, it's, it's done its job. It's eroded my spirit. And now it's going to take, uh, the spirit of 2008 to bring me back around. And I don't see Terry Collins stepping into that locker room. Right. Now, obviously, I'm doing radio in St. Louis now, and so there's not it's not a ton of NFL talk. We talk about it a little bit, but obviously there's the team is up and left us, and, and, and so we, you know, we, we kind of covered from a national angle. And from what I've picked up, there's a lot of people on the fence in Nashville about, uh, uh, about Marcus Mariota and if he's like the franchise quarterback, which I think is just, is just crazy talk because I, I, I do think he's a legit a legit threat and a legit weapon when when he's healthy but that's the thing when he's healthy you have to add that to every sentence and is this the year that he he makes it makes it 16 games without uh riding the pine with a no. uh, with like a with like a cast <laughs> hey i'd love to be wrong i mean i'm a michigan football fan i would love to be wrong <laughs> But it's been a brutal century. You know what I mean? I'm over two. I got Titans and Wolverines. I, what do I know about football? Oh my goodness, Steve. Um, where can people get uh, the book "Hard to Handle: The Life and Death of the Black Crows"? They can they can pre order uh, all over the place. BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon is the easiest one probably. But anywhere that you buy a book, 
uh, that has pre-ordering services will have this book in its list. And let me vouch. Remember, there will be a book, a Kindle, whatever the audio book, which I will be. Uh, I will. That will be uh, my my duty as well. I not only oh, write, yes. but I read with the uh, with all the skill and intensity of with the average. I'm going to buy that just solely to hear your voice as I fall asleep at night every night. Um, if, if let me just vouch for this book real quick. If 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 the stories that you put in this book are half as good, even even half as good as the stories that you have told me over the years in radio studio studios across uh, across Nashville, then it is going to be quite a read because you have got some phenomenal stories. Steve, thank you so much for joining me, man. Everyone, give him a follow on Twitter at SGS Fox on Twitter. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram, but all, all he does is post pictures of his cats. So I wouldn't. Uh, no, Steve, thank you so much for joining me, man. It's a pleasure, Austin, as always. And everyone, go out and purchase as many Black Crow songs on iTunes. Uh, like just as many as you can afford, because my man's got a kid going to college next year and another one coming soon. So. There. Does that help, Steve? And Steve's gone. All right. Coming up next, I look, again, I don't know how J-Mart closes out shows, but um, I like to do it with some, uh, with what we call some shout-outs. So I'm going to give some some shout-outs. I've got some great ones coming up. So stick around. We've got one more, one more segment, and we're hitting the weekend, folks. All right? So if you're in your car, stay there. If you're in traffic, just stay there. I love you guys that are stuck in traffic. I know it's I know it's hard, but we're going to get through this together. That's coming up next on the Big Six, presented by Renner's Warehouse. I am Austin Huff, in for Jason Martin on 104.5. Station. Seven a.m. Waking up in the morning, gotta be fresh, gotta go downstairs, gotta have my bowl, gotta have cereal. Seeing everything, the time is going tick tick on and on. Everybody's rushing. Gotta get down to the bus stop. Gotta catch my bus. I see my friends, my friends. This is the Big Six presented by Runners Warehouse. I am Austin Huff. Filling in for Jason Martin. Hit me up on Twitter, at Austin Huff. Uh, I like to close every show with some shout-outs, so let's get to some shout-outs here. Uh, a few shout-outs, all right? Shout-out number one goes out to the month of May. Look, it's been fun. We've had a lot of fun, but you know you can't stop time. we got to move on to June. Uh, another shout-out goes out to J.R. Smith. A year ago today, you forgot the score and gave us one of the all-time best memes on the planet. The pointing, the double, the double arm pointing LeBron James. Probably the second best moment in Jr.'s career, just behind throwing soup on a coach. Uh, shout out to Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. No, not the iconic uh, former Titan running back. The 1996 film where Whoopi Goldberg became the head coach of the New York Knicks. That movie came out on this day 23 years ago. It was no Sister Act or Sister Act 2, but uh, it is something that the Knicks should maybe look into. And like like actually making Whoopi Goldberg their next head coach because it's not like she would make them any worse than they are. Uh, shout out to Eddie. Eddie. Okay, this time I am talking about the former Titan running back just because <laughs> love you, Eddie. Shout out to uh, Leah Thompson. Before she was Caroline in the city, she was Lorraine McFly. The only mom I can remember who wanted to jump her son's bones outside the Enchantment Under the Sea dance back on, uh, what was it, November 12th, 1955. Fun fact, Disney actually passed on the rights to make Back to the Future because of that scene. They didn't want to make a movie that involved near incest. That's not a joke either. Uh, 
So instead, they greenlit Not Quite Human, which promotes relationships with robots. Okay. <laughs> Not one to judge. Uh, shout out to former Typhon- Titans offensive coordinator and current Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. I tweeted about this earlier today, but um, a man wrecked his Achilles playing knockout. All right. Now, granted, it's no Carlos Correa fracturing a rib during a massage, but it is still pretty embarrassing. Almost as embarrassing as deciding to hand the ball off to Luke Stalker on fourth and goal from the one. No offense, Luke Stalker. But people don't forget, LaFleur. Shout out to Steve Gorman for joining me earlier tonight. Steve's the man. If you run into him at a local Whole Foods in town, just tell him you enjoyed hearing him on here. Shout out to everyone stuck in traffic on I-24 and my folks uh, on uh, I-65 South, just past Old 96, right there where the highway like inexplicably goes from four lanes down to two in the span of one football field. Look, I feel your pain. I've been there. Shout out to you guys. Shout out to podcast listeners. If you've enjoyed this last hour of radio, check out my podcast, The Show with Austin Huff. It's based out of St. Louis, but there's a ton of Nashville talk. Like Don Davenport has an episode. Blaine Bishop has an episode. Get in and uh, check that out. Shout out to Ryan Mudd, another former Bruin hire, running the board for me tonight. Thank you, sir. God bless and go Bruins. Shout out to Jason Martin and Brad Willis for allowing me to do this. This has been a lot of fun. Nashville, I really enjoyed the last two nights. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Austin Huff. Let me know what you thought. It's been a fun two days. J-Mart's back next week. Fox Sports is up next. As for me, Seacrest out.